podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. It's 12.30, which means it's time for the bulletin. It's the Monday Club. and uh, That means that Russell Boyce and Kevin Graham are joining us on today's show once again. The Monday regulars. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. How's your weekend been? Oh, just another glorious weekend in the world of Celtic, Paul. I'm telling you, I'm becoming more of a jinx week on week. <laughs> I know people have said that about this bulletin. We started it in August, and um, it's not been the best. It's not been the best since then. Uh, Kevin Graham, I'm going to come to you first before we get into the nitty gritty of the kind of post match fallout of a defeat to St Mirren, the first defeat at Celtic Park to that club in 31 years. I'm pretty sure you were at the last one, Kevin Graham, and. Yeah, um, was it the last one? I eh? grim. It wasn't the only three nothing defeat at home. I remember seeing us getting beaten by Aberdeen that season at home. In fact, was that maybe the second game of the season? First home game. Uh, bad, bad season under Billy McNeil. Uh, but before we get into all that and the transfer activity and Neil Lennon's post match comments and everything else that we want to discuss, you were have. You were at a meeting last week with the club, in essence, because you were speaking to JP Taylor um, in your role with the affiliation. What can you tell us about that? What was your takeaways from that meeting? It was very good to actually see all the delegates were invited uh, from the from the respective Celtic supporters club all over all over Scotland and some in England. Um, now, basically, this is how we con- this is how we negotiate with the club. J.P. Taylor's the supporters liaison officer and he's there as a sounding board between the fans and the club. That's UEFA's definition, that's supporters' direct definition. So what we like to do is we we keep that official channel open and we speak to J.P. Taylor quite a lot. Anything that we've got, we bring it up directly with the club. We don't go, we don't make statements. We actually bring it up with the club because that's the way our members and our delegates want. For anybody that's out there that's not a member of the affiliation or that, J.P. Taylor is your contact if you want to put your point direct to the club. And he was quite clear 
on Thursday night when we actually spoke with him that everything that he gets told, everything that he gets, uh, everything that he gets emailed, people who bring up comments do get fed back directly to the board and mm-hmm. to those who make the decisions. Now he. He put his head on the line last week by saying that he expected the review to be done. And his thinking was that the the club saying that there's a review, they have to give the outcome of this review. They can't leave the fans hanging. So the fact is we're now on the 1st of February and there hasn't been an outcome to the review looks extremely bad on the people making the decisions at Celtic Football Club. Um, what he did also say was we know that the points that we raised last week as well have already been brought up on Friday to what is now the outgoing CEO mm-hmm. so everything we spoke about on Thursday night was fed back to the outgoing uh, CEO on Friday morning so there, there you go we can't, be, we can't go any quicker than that mm-hmm. uh, you can put you can put Banners out in the car park and that, but you can't. But but you can't have a meeting on a Friday, on a Thursday night, and the people who make the decisions by the club know your opinions by a Friday morning. By by the way, for 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 me, that's no, you can't get any better direct contact than that. What 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 was brought up, and all delegates got to say, all delegates got to got to ask. J.P. Taylor a question or put their points across to John, John Paul and basically uh, what, what was what was basically says was that the lack of communication is unacceptable. Everybody says the lack of communication between the board, uh, between the club and the fan base is completely un- unacceptable. That the fan the, the fan season book experience has been really really poor this season. Mm-hmm. The product, I mean, the, the product, that's what Celtic call it. Celtic call it a product has been extremely poor. Now, uh, what John Paul actually says to us was that the club thought cows would be back by October. And so they never really thought about the added value. So there's been no consideration given whatsoever within the club to what the added value would be to the season ticket this season because they expected the crowds to be back. Uh, now, that added value has to be taken into next season. Mm. Um, and what's on the table for next season? What I, will, what, what I will actually say is the first they haven't had a season book meeting yet. So people who think that the, uh, the, the people who think they're already talking about next season season book tickets, they haven't even had the, the meeting yet. That meeting's not due to the start of February, the start of this month. What they says was that the cup ties that we got free from Premier Sports were part of the added value. I didn't see that as much value, truthfully. And what might happen is something that Natasha mentioned last week, so she's obviously been talking to somebody in the club as well, that any season tickets on sale next next year might come with a reasonable discount mm. for the for the supporters ongoing. I mean, what what does that actually mean? A reasonable discount? We're not going to get any football stadiums before the end of this year. So again, how are the club going to package this, and how how the club how the club are going to package this, and how the club are going to sell this to the support is massive. It's massive for the next manager coming in, and it's massive for the rebranding, the rebuilding of the club going forward. But basically, JP couldn't give us any answers because that meeting hasn't happened yet. 
that meeting is not on the table at this precise moment in time and it's not due to February. Now, that, that can might get kicked down the road again if there's any further management changes going ahead. I mean, it was quite weird. We had the meeting on Thursday night and on Friday morning you get the, the, the outcome that's as there's an outgoing CEO. Mm-hmm. We, we got no indication of that on Thursday night that was happening. So... What JP did I also said there was a manager's review. The manager's review outcome was due this week. That was last week. Right. He, he's pinned his hat on that. A couple of things were suggested. I, I, I've made it clear that the, the affiliation met with Peter Wall and John Paul Taylor on the 18th of December as well. And one of the suggestions was that the, the, the players give Zoom calls to certain season ticket holders. Mm-hmm. Just check in with them, check sure, just make sure that they were all right and that. This was rejected by the players. So you see it on, I think it was Football Focus on the BBC News, Everton's players were phoning fans. Mm-hmm. Basically, mm-hmm. Celtic have rejected this. Right. That, that was one of our options to try and make the connection closer. Well, somebody brought up about the backroom staff that left with Brendan Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And we were assured that the five backroom staff that left with Brendan Rodgers have been replaced. So that was including the scouting, head of recruitment, um, analytics. I can't remember what the other place was. So we have been told that they've been replaced. Okay. Whether it's the same standard that Brendan mm. had in place is another question, which is probably the next question. But we were told that they put that that when Brendan's left, everybody that left with him was replaced. Now something that really stuck in my my throat was that ninety percent of non football staff are still fur, are still still furloughed at the club. We're on the last day of the transfer window today. Mm-hmm. And we've been linked with guys from Everton, guys from Tottenham, uh, to pay fees and wages. We've still got staff furloughed. Mm-hmm. For me, that makes me sick. That absolutely makes me sick that we've still got staff furloughed and we're still paying footballers vast amounts of money. Where when there's guys who are involved in the club on the match day operations, the day to day operations, like in corporate hospitality and stuff like that, mm-hmm. who are still furloughed, who they, their situation has not looked like it's going to change to the end of the financial year, eh, to the end of the, this current year. For mm-hmm. me, that that's just sickening. It uh, just really sickening that the football department seems unhit by this, and especially with the pro, especially with what we've been watching this season. Now, obviously, J.P. Taylor <laughs> is snowed under with stuff at this precise moment in time because he's, only, he's, he's the only contact that we've got to the football club. Yeah, There was plans to have two new part-time SLOs uh, to help John Paul and Alexis out because Alexis has been helping them with the Disabled Association. They've been shelved, but will be looked at in the future. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, again, Paul John, we know that we spoke to the guys for Feyenoord and they've got eight SLOs for a club like Feyenoord. Mm. Um, this shows you that the SLO role at a football club is not well resourced. And I, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about uh, people at the club who will be 
not looking forward to Peter Wall le- leaving and who do not do the right thing by the Celtic fans. And John Paul Taylor wasn't the one in him. No. When, when I made that comment. Somebody asked him about the procedures when the club are going to allow fans back in and Celtic reckon they've got robust enough procedures for 25,000 to be, be let into the stadium following the, following the current guidelines. So that'll be all the season ticket holders then? Uh, probably next season, going into next season, all, all the season ticket holders will get in. <laughs> Only if you've got a G postcode, it looks like right enough. Right. The estimated cost of Dubai was over four hundred thousand pound. You know that 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 that's for me that's sickening, Kev. You're talking about the furlough, and I totally get that. I'm not disagreeing with that, but that sickens me. That extravagance, you know, the four hundred grand, that sickens me. Regardless of the outcome and what happened and what went wrong, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, um, I'm not trying to dive in because I know you're giving us an update. But that sickens me. That kind of money, four hundred grand. I mean, it was bad enough when I thought it was two hundred and fifty grand. So that's been confirmed. That's astonishing, isn't it? That's astonishing. I was taken aback by the figure. And I must admit, I mean, there's about forty old delegates on this meeting, and every one of us was singing for the same hymn sheet. When you're talking about season season ticket renewal for next season, there was two things that were absolute. The two L's can't be there. Peter Law and Neil Lennon, before anybody would actually think about renewing. Right, mm-hmm. either there was some folk there who says, I'll renew anyway. You're always going to get there, guys. But there was two absolutes, and it was Peter Law and Neil Lennon. So that shows you the depth of strength of feeling, which is out there. But these guys who go up and down the country, following Celtic when, when we were allowed to go up and down the country following Celtic. The club were were also taken by surprise at the number of refunds requests that they received last season and right. this season. And also, the, the, because of a, a financial rules, fans have got up to five years to claim that refund. Mm-hmm. So the club coming out and saying you had a two-week window, now you've got up to five years because basically Celtic have supplied you, have off, have says they're going to supply you with goods that you haven't received. That's the way it works. Um, what else? What else? You says on Friday about the, the the fan media being invited into the press conference on on a rotational on a rotational basis. I don't know if you've got any update with that either. Not yet, Kevin. Not yet. Not, not yet. What we were quite pleased with, we, we and and we've been fed back to we've been fed back this morning. I, I received a phone call this morning with Alan Horn that everything that was mentioned in the meeting that was just that was just a breakdown. I mean, I, I didn't want to tell you the obvious what was mentioned in the meeting that it's absolutely shocking what what's happened this season. What we were going on about more was where are the fans going to get value. For the season, because where are where am the Tommy Gemmell Celtic supporters club members going to get value going forward for the six hundred quids that we've paid this year going mm-hmm. into the club? So, what we can actually say is, by the way, JP took it away and he has weekly meetings with Peter, uh, the outgoing CEO now, and our 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 meeting was fed back to him on the Friday morning. And at this precise moment in time, we're not happy with that, but that will be the continued line of dialogue that we take. There will only be any statements, there will only be any banners. We'll keep on speaking to John Paul Taylor and the club directly mm-hmm. and taking our views, our robust views uh, to, the, to the club. And they were robust. We never pulled any punches. 
The thing, Kevin, I think we need to underline again is that there has been what surfaced online is people tend to try and find people to blame. You know, and they do see, rightly or wrongly, Kevin, some of the groups and associations and affiliations as being spokespeople for the wider fan base. But I think you explained it the other week that it doesn't actually work like that in terms of the affiliation, does it? And the way that you communicate your messages. Mm-hmm. As we, we have to go with our members. And as I say, anybody, anybody out there that's not a member of the affiliation, the association or the Celtic Trust, you can go direct to J.P. Taylor. That's, that's his role at the club. Mm-hmm. You can go to him and Alexis. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. When traders tell us how to make Thinkorswim even better, we listen. They asked for a version they could access anywhere. No download necessary. We heard them. And when they asked to execute a preset trade strategy in seconds, we said absolutely. Feedback like this inspired us to build Thinkorswim Web, and it continues to push us. So our entire suite of platforms never stops getting better. Because platforms this innovative aren't just made for traders. They're made by them. Thinkorswim Trading from TD Ameritrade. That is your direct line to your uh, direct line to the club. That's why UEFA brung in supporters, liaisons, officers. There's not enough. The, he can't do the job himself. I've already just say. I've already says that. But that, that's the way you get your point across. Now, the other way we can get the point across is they withhold money. That's the only way that they listen. And I've said that plenty of times. And it's great that I've that my members. No, my members, but the members of my club have got a direct line like that where we can field questions to the club and get direct answers. But mm-hmm. all the other thousands of season ticket holders out there that don't feel like they've got a voice, they have got a voice, you just need to put it through. You've got a direct link to the club, which is the supporters' liaison officer. Kevin, that's a, a great update because a lot of people were wanting it when I said last week you were in dialogue with the club. Uh, but again, I didn't want to... Uh, impart that information because it wasn't there so to get it directly from source is appreciated a couple of things I've noted down there I'm going to throw out to Russell Dubai 400 grand Um, and I'm not just saying this with hindsight because it didn't work and it's been a total catastrophic trip but 400 grand during this pandemic good idea doesn't sit well, does it? When, um, like Kev also alluded to, the furlough situation with so many members of staff at present, um, and naturally, yeah, I mean, again, it just leaves such a bad taste in the mouth. The four hundred thousand being, as you rightly said, lavishly spent um, during the pandemic. No one else can even leave their house to visit family. They can spend that on leaving the country. Although one of the first things that pointed out to me, pandemic aside was the fact that it seemed a higher fee than what has been getting speculated as Neil Lennon's compensation. So that was interesting as well. Well, that does lead us on to the next point I was going to make in relation to the managerial review 
McKevin mentioned, and this will come into the podcast as we as we go along because obviously yet another horrific display on Saturday. So we would have expected by now, Kevin, going by what JP says, and I've been following his tweets with interest. Uh, I know how you know how bombarded he is at the moment with messages. Um, the managerial review should have happened. It should have been fed back, and JP is pressurising the people in charge of the club to try and communicate with us. Is that the case? Yes, he basically says you can't say there's there's going to be a review and no tell anybody the outcome of it. Mm-hmm. That's 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 his position, and he's quite public with that position as well. He's quite public on Twitter with that position, so I'm no I'm no speaking out of school there when I actually say that. Mm-hmm. That, that that's his line. And by the way, the, the supporters liaison officer shouldn't he always agree with the club? He's there as a, a he's there as a conduit between the club and the fans. Mm-hmm. So. He has to go in and have these difficult conversations, even though the club pays his wages. That is part of his role in the UEFA guidelines. Yeah. So him coming out and say that he is part of his role. Him going in and telling the club, by the way, you need to complete this review, is, is what I would expect my supporters liaison officer to do. Mm-hmm. And, he is, and he is doing it. Yes, to the best of his ability, Kevin, you know, because as you say, he's totally under the cosh when it comes to, particularly when it's not going so well and people are obviously, there's only one line of communication. And the thing with JP is he always tries to engage, doesn't he? Which um, can, can be difficult when I'm, I'm pretty sure he's went to his Twitter and the notifications are off the scale every time. You know, you could probably get lost in his Twitter account all day long. Um, one thing that Russell does on a Sunday night, which is great, is you're on a poll, Russell, and uh, the poll last night was all around round, where do we go from here really with the managerial situation uh, would fans be happy if we went for um, an interim basis you know, management team yep. between now and the end of the season um, what would that look like, would it be Jack Ross uh, coming in at the end of the season, you know all these different uh, all these different options and of course uh, I announced yesterday on social media, I say announced as if you know it was a big grand announcement, um, I tweeted out yesterday that we had Mark Hughes and Mark Bowen on the, the show yesterday, it wasn't a live broadcast, uh, we had planned to go down and meet the guys uh, down in Manchester but unfortunately because of the travel restrictions we really couldn't do it so we have had a dial in um, a dialing conversation which I found very interesting because of course Mark Hughes is quoted as being in the running for the Celtic job and at the moment the Celtic job isn't a job that's available so what you've got to remember and I'm saying this in advance because we are working as we speak on getting that packaged up um, what you've got to realise as well is that Mark Hughes is the type of man the type of gentleman who wouldn't speak directly about the Celtic job whilst the Celtic job is not available. So from a, an interviewer's perspective, I've got to choose my questions very carefully around that subject to try and get an idea of Mark's aspirations. Uh, but I can assure you that once you've seen the, the interview, you will know uh, where his kind of views lie on that, even though he wouldn't be so disrespectful to talk about Neil Lennon's job when Neil Lennon's still in a job. And I just think that's a measure of the man. Um, so what was the outcome of your poll, Russell? Talk to us about uh, the feeling amongst uh, your followers on Twitter. I totally. Well, I mean, I think right now it was everyone feels that ahead of next season there will be a, a change in the, in the management team. I think that's, that's a given now after yet another weekend like that, isn't it? Um, so what you wanted to gauge was, you know, do people feel that the change has to be now? And if it is now, would they rather a permanent manager came in, like we've discussed before, at sort of three, four months at it, getting us ready for these more crucial than ever now 
Champions League qualifiers? Or would they prefer a caretaker manager, whether it be John Kennedy or someone brought from, you know, externally, brought in just to steady the ship to the end of the season and ensure we actually get to these Champions League qualifiers and finishing second? Incidentally, I've seen some sort of table recently that shows since the October internationals, we are fourth in the league. So that tells you how long this has been a malaise for um, and that potentially, you know, the, the second position could be at risk if we don't do anything. The other options in the poll were obviously should we wait till May, um, the end of the season, and make the make the decision before the new CEO is appointed, or should we wait, of course, till the CEO is appointed at the end of June, beginning of July, and let him choose his man? So basically, the 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 majority of the votes were all now, right? There's a, a few votes for for May and July, but everyone wants change now. The the, the slight majority on that outcome was they would rather a caretaker was appointed um, to the end of the season, which is maybe a more sensible decision right now. Mm. Um, it gives the new CEO time to have dialogue with the club, I think, as well, um, because he is going to be how much work he can do whilst he's still obviously got an extremely important job that he's doing for SRU right now. I think people think that, you know, because he's agreed to join Celtic, he'll just be on the phone to Lawwell all the time. He still gets paid off the SRU, I'm afraid. So juggling two jobs isn't quite that easy, especially jobs of such magnitude. So I think um, he will. it would still be better that he has some sort of a longer run at uh, having dialogue perhaps with the Celtic board right now and finding out who the manager's going to be and that happening at the end of the season seems to be the consensus. But we definitely can't wait till, till, uh, till July. Kevin, I'm going to come over to you. This will link into the kind of post-match fallout after Saturday. I'm sitting in this studio myself watching the game. Obviously, the uh, contributors were dialing in after the game and Colin joined me pre-match and at half-time. And there was, a, there was definitely a feeling... You know, Colin says to himself that the anger's no longer there when he's watching the pure, the poor performances from the players. The anger is no longer there. Uh, I understand that. I actually do understand that. You know, and, and people were talking about the seven stages of grief and all that kind of stuff, and there the, the becomes an acceptance at some stage. But one of the most frustrating things for me watching that game, you know, because we could go on all day about the performance, the fact that Jimmy Goodwin set up a very well-organised and well-drilled side, and we can't deal with that. We can't deal with uh, coming up to the, the final third of the, the park and being faced with, a, you know, a wall of ten bodies. We just can't deal with it. We don't have the creative ability to cut through teams like that anymore. And we're basically reduced to trying long-range efforts, um, many of which don't get past the, the, the bodies, and the other ones end up going over the bar and wide so we really are devoid of any kind of uh, idea and after the game and I want to focus on this because we're talking about the change in manager Kevin there definitely has been a change in the manager's output after the after the games now some of the things he says all the time bitterly disappointing when he's talking about the performance um, but couldn't find the answer that's been the situation all season but that's not just the players that's Neil Lennon himself he just can't find the answer he's tried everything you know we've gone on and on about the, the changes in, in the goalkeeper the defence and the, the starting 11 um, he admitted he went on to admit that he's been let down by some of the players but at no point have I seen in this interview or any other interviews Kevin I've seen him blaming the players I've seen him blaming the Scottish government I've seen him blaming the, the officials the media Covid I've never seen him saying this is on me this is my fault I take full responsibility um, and and 
absolutely astonishingly, he says that some of the players could be tired of winning. What did you make? What did you make, Kevin, of the performance and some of the comments after the game by Neil Lennon? Oh, where am I with a Celtic team? Where am I with a season? I was more annoyed last Sunday night when the Green Bay Packers got put out of the NFC Championship game in the, in the NFL. I, I actually went to my bed in the huff after that happened. Well, on Saturday, I just put down my laptop and went in my living room and done something else. I mean, I, I was watching. I was watching my kids on Saturday, so that's why I wasn't on. But I was like, "Aye, well, it's happened. Eh? Aye, let's let's move on." Uh, <laughs> and we almost look like a bottom six side. Mm. If the season was starting just now, and and and. Yeah. And you watch that team, you're going like that. I Celtic will be lucky to finish top half, bottom six, the way that we play. We don't create chances. We don't look like creating chances. We play, you're meant to play into space. We play into crowded areas. Our tactic seems to be, hopefully we get the bottom edge of the box and the two strikers link up with each other and we get a shot away. Or one of our good players will do something to create a bit of space. And like on our goal on Saturday, where Eddie managed to actually get round the guy and get the shot away. Or one of our fullbacks gets to the byline, fires it in the middle, hopefully it goes past the first defender and we've got somebody there to stick it into the back of the net. There's nothing else. You look at the way St Murn played. St Murn had a bit of tactical awareness about them. They were playing balls where players were meant to be because they had worked on that game plan. They they had they knew what they were doing. There was at one point in the in the first half, as I say, it was on in the background because I was doing other things. And I actually thought St Murn had 13 players in the park at one point. Because they were always seem to be finding men with the ball. I'm going, where are we? It was a dreadful watch. Neil after the game, Neil after the game says it was his lowest point as in his six year as Celtic managers. I could name three right away that were lower than me, getting yeah. beat off Inverness and Inverness. Uh, the semi final against uh, St. Murn. Uh, at Hamden when we were absolutely destroyed with them and I remember getting beat off Aberdeen in a Scottish Cup tie uh, in Neil's last season when the top tier was shut they were three dreadful games I can name three off the top of my head Neil that, that, that were far worse mm-hmm. than, that, than that game on Saturday and you just don't think anything's going to change I mean after the game he basically threw the team under the bus once again Yeah. Uh, once again he threw them under the bus and I'm going, how long is this going to keep on continue? How long are you going to get away with blaming everybody by yourself? Seen, I don't know if anybody saw the Lee Griffiths interview uh, before the game, where Lee Griffiths says, I'm fit, it's somebody else that's got a problem with my fitness. That was basically Neil's take on the interview with Jerry McCulloch. Uh, then Callum McGregor after the Livingston game, we didn't do the basics well, but we didn't have a game plan. And he basically says the same the same when he's forced in front of Celtic TV after the defeat on on, on Saturday, he basically says it says the same. What is it he says we've got a young team, a lot of guys are still learning and we just mm. we just need to get through it. I felt sorry for Carl McGregor. I thought McGregor had a decent game on, on Saturday for what I saw. He was always available, he was always trying to get us over the line. One of the things that was 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 interesting for me, Paul, you, you talk about his comment, they've maybe got sick winning. Mm. It took me back to a quote in David Winner's book, A Beautiful Orange, about the Ajax team, the great Ajax team in the early 70s. 
and they went from Renus Mickles to Stefan Kovac. And basically, the team won the... They went through three managers in three years. And basically, the team broke up after the third year. Cruyff went to Barcelona and a lot of the players left. And one of the players, and I can't remember the player who actually says it, says, after the, after Renus Mickles left, he says it was downhill from that point. He says, because we lost our discipline. Mm-hmm. He says, the culture changed and we lost our discipline. And the reason that they lost their discipline is because Renus Mickles had them had the team playing as a team and the standards were that high. Kovac came in and gave them, gave them a bit of leeway to make their own decisions on the pitch. And he says, as soon as that discipline was lost, the hunger went away. And he says, and even though we won two European Cups after that, the only reason we won two European Cups after that was because we're a far better team than anybody else. It didn't matter. We had the better players on the pitch. So the, the success continued for two for the two years until the spirit wasn't the same, until we got bored. Mm. Until we had to move on. Because we didn't have the coaching staff to raise us up that level, Whatever player it was, he says, we should have won eight European Cups. He says, if we were really on point, he says, instead of winning three European Cups in a row, we should have won eight. And I went, this is a point where Celtic are at. Mm-hmm. Neil Lennon says that. I went, aye, we got away with it for a season because the players, we had the better players than everybody else. Yeah. But as soon as that discipline goes and you've got six months... Co- as the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. These players have got bored. And they're, and they're going like that. By the way, I don't like what's happening in this club anymore. I don't like the training. I'm not being developed here. Then they go out to empty stadiums and they go, this is not a fun place to work anymore. Mm-hmm. And their minds move on. And I really think that's where we are. I find that really interesting, Kevin, because in saying what he said, Neil Lennon is actually admitting his own feeling because it's him, it's down to him to make sure that that winning mentality is maintained. It's down to him to look to ways to ensure that the training is enjoyable, that you do have that fight, that you do have the spark. He spoke about there being no spark, which he says is symptomatic of the season, that they're playing with anxiety, there's no energy, there's no hunger. These are things that, um, as a group of players, if you get that in one or two individuals, Kevin, you know, you think that's understandable. If that's your whole group, your core group of players, then that's down to you as a manager and coach Michael the boy brings up a point which is uh, connected to this Jim Goodwin was more tactically aware than Celtic's coaching team now you've had Jim Goodwin and um, David Martindale coming to Celtic Park and I felt both of them were more tactically aware than our gaffer now there is no way on this earth anybody is going to um, convince me that Livingston or St Mirren have got a better group of players than Celtic so that is as simple as that. If you want to bring it right down to the base level, that's as simple as it, it comes. It's the way that they're lined up. It's the way that they're motivated. It's the lack of shapes, the lack of ideas, creativity, change within the game. That all comes down to the management and the coaches. So, Kevin, I think I totally agree with that. The other thing that you said there when you were feeling sorry for Callum McGregor, I'm going to raise a question here. And I thought about it back in the day with Paul McStay. I, th- I thought that the captaincy weighed far too heavily on Paul McStay's shoulders. And I'm not comparing the two 
players. But I am comparing the two scenarios. And we're in a situation now where I don't think we're getting the best out of Callum McGregor. And I don't think he's a captain either. And I'm going to throw that over to you, Russell, because I do feel that the captaincy perhaps is weighing far too heavily on his shoulders. He doesn't look like a captain to me. If I look at that side, my captain's Chris Iyer. I understand where you're coming from in that, but in all fairness to Callum McGregor as well, I don't think anyone looks themselves um, at present. Um, just to touch on a couple of things that Kevin had said about the Neil Lennon interview, um, he also describes the team as insipid and have been the majority of this season. Uh, the amount, I think I listened to one of his interviews on Sports Sound yesterday. I think he said, I don't know, three times, uh, three questions before then. I found that he actually spoke for the sake of it at times. He didn't. The genuine truth is he doesn't know. And that's what he would like just to be the answer and move on to the next question because he doesn't know. How can that then still be allowed to, to carry on at the club? Because every day that that is left there longer, players are regressing in value. Um, their heads are turning uh, faster and faster and Celtic ship sinks quicker and quicker. It's all it's all um, snowballing so badly with every day that passes. And... In fairness to him, he has tried 33 different formations in 36 games, I think it was, it's like that this season. He's tried everything he can. He cannot get a tune out of this team. He is now accepting it in interviews. Look at what he's saying. Read between the lines, you know. But, but, I mean, as much as it can get turned and he flew the, uh, flung the players under the bus, he didn't, I took all his words with a pinch of salt. He did not know what he was saying. He didn't have answers for the actual questions. He is out of ideas um, and has to be let go But about Carl McGregor on the back of that I think it's unfair almost to judge him on how he's been as a captain in this current um, malaise I mean it's amazing to see how great a captain Scott Brown's been the last nine years from winning all the time to flip it you know uh, so I think I think Carl uh, McGregor at least you know you've got you've got a feeling there's a substance to the rumours that Chris Iyer wants out anyway so but I get what you mean on the pitch his demeanour is one of has got that's got leadership qualities but I think McGregor, I think this is a, almost a, a season that it would be hard to judge anyone for their true ability on the park, their leadership abilities, their uh, abilities to deal with pressure completely when it's just been such a disaster from start to finish. Um, would it have been someone who I would have initially picked as a captain? That would be a more interesting sort mm. of angle, Callum McGregor, because he's never been a shouter in the, in the, in the team or someone who's particularly loud but he does come over as a consummate professional and someone who's got the total respect of his teammates. So there is a balancing act there. Um, and football is, as we all know, moving away from the the pointer, shouter, sort of captain in the centre of the park. Do you know what I mean? It is. Um, maybe he's more in the modern mould. And just because this season has been such a disaster, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule him out as being a, a future captain just yet, but I do take your point. Russell, you made a really interesting point yourself there in relation to the regression We've seen the regression, not only of the team, but individual players. I've got a wee concern, and I'll ask you, Kevin, what your thoughts are on this. Uh, three players in particular who I felt, when they came into the side, made a, a big impact. Um, Sorrow and Turnbull being the obvious two, but I also felt Laxalt made a big impact when he first came in. Laxalt's no longer getting picked. He sat on the bench two games running. And Colin disagreed to me to a degree in relation to Sorrow, but I don't feel that Sorrow and Turnbull are as impactful as they have been. And it concerns me that there is a regression, even with the bright sparks, Kevin. What's your thoughts on that? There probably is. I think they're getting dragged down by the whole sort of malaise that's round about the club. Um, and the, we need something to actually boost us back on. And it doesn't look like that boost 
the, the, the most simple option of a boost is to change the manager mm-hmm. to try to try and get what is known in the game as a dead cat bounce. Um, so that doesn't look like it's going to be happening. It doesn't look like they're getting encouraged. Um, and in the games either. I mean, when you listen to the two managers on the sidelines on Saturday, you could hear one manager uh, encouraging them, and you could hear another manager just shouting for F's sake. Like, there was one moment, and, 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 there's, and there's two moments actually in this game now I come to think about it. Ryan Christie had a shot which probably ended up the top tier of the Celtic end, and you heard the cry from the bench. Uh, Ryan Christie and Christie turned round and the camera caught him giving the death stare to whoever, whoever shouted, yep. shouted at him from the Celtic bench two minutes to go we get a free kick and uh, at the edge of the box and Eddie nonchalantly just runs up and fires it straight into the wall then looks at the bench as well as if to go stuff you Callum uh, then another one I Ryan Christie the, the, the cross that he stuck straight out the park, the, the set piece that he stuck straight out the park as well, he looked straight at the bench again after he'd done it. For me, maybe I'm reading far, far too much into that. But for that, for me, I, I couldn't get past. They've done that deliberately. Is they, that couldn't, the, they, they, they couldn't give a monkeys about what's it, going on here. Is it the classic down in tools for the, the gaffer, Kevin? Is that what you're saying? I think, I think it has to be. I mean, you look at Lee Griffiths' comments at, before the game, there's mm-hmm. only one person that's got a problem with my fitness. Yeah. Or certain people have got a problem with my fitness. Who's that aimed at? Why do you uh, think he was hooked at half-time? I've heard all the, all the rumours. Everybody gets the, the, the WhatsApp messages, etc. It was an unusual move for, for Neil Lennon. It's not his usual um, tactical change, is it, to make changes at half-time and Griffiths gets pulled off? Well... The, the, well, we have a look at it. Before the game, Neil Lennon says Tom Rogic has been fantastic in training all week and he'll probably get game time. Mm. But you take off a striker and you, you take off a striker in a game that we're not creating any chances and you bring on a player to go into the most crowded area on the pitch. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense when you've got two strikers sitting on the bench. It doesn't yeah. make any sense whatsoever. But when did Neil Lennon's substitutions make sense at, at most points this season now all, all the post-match stuff um, as I say there's loads of comments that get made time and time again by Neil Lennon and then you talk about you know the fact that uh, they lacked a bit of zing real punch all that kind of stuff but the one thing that really concerned me in, in terms of rebuilding the squad that is always an exciting project to take on I found that more concerning than anything that Neil Lennon thinks he's the man to rebuild this football team uh, Russell what did you make of that is that wishful thinking on Neil Lennon's part it is. I don't even think he truly believes that. You know, I think unless he's talking about his next job, playing a football manager or something like that, because there is no way um, he'll be rebuilding the the Celtic squad. I don't. I don't envisage that in the slightest. I don't think he does either. To be perfectly honest with you, and like I say, in the heat of the moment or um, at the weekend, uh, don't listen to one word that he said. I realised that the more I listened to interviews on various uh, broadcasts, but the one in the sports sound was really, really poignant with me because I just felt. He generally is now just speaking. He's just talking. He's not actually saying that. It was it the uh, talking heads? I'm sure you'll know that, Kev, that said you're talking a lot, but you're not saying anything. So I think that's what he was doing. He was just, it was just sound bites. He doesn't even, 
he wasn't really throwing players under the bus as much as uh, that might be the headline from it. He was just saying things for the sake of saying things. He's got no answers right now. Just to quickly touch on the Ryan Christie thing, I did notice that as well, and I quite like all the the body language side of things. I think we need to be careful. I think he was definitely trying to score. I don't think he's deliberately put the ball in the stands. But what I thought he turned down and looked at was he was indignant at any sort of groaning and moaning from the bench. I said, I'm not going to listen to anything you've got to say. But it was a death stare, and I agree with that. Um, but I think it was more that kind of... I noticed it at the time. It's funny you picked up on it, Kev, because I thought, it's almost like he's saying, how dare you sort of shout from the sides at me, which is very alarming. Um, although it comes as no surprise either, to be totally honest to you. See this comment coming in from Brian McLean, 19. I'm tired of watching them. There is a, a, a real feeling. I think Colin Watt was feeling like that at the weekend. And Kevin, you've suggested the same. And what I would point out is that, you know, it's not as though Kevin Graham doesn't care about Celtic. I know that you do. And I know that everybody who's feeling like that does, Kevin. But there's a resignation these days of the, the only resignation we want to hear of isn't happening. But there's a resignation within the fans that we're almost expecting it. Uh, and by the way, the, the thing with uh, regards to other teams starting to pull results together, Livingston being a, a classic example, is that it won't take long for us really to be looking down at you know Hibs and Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've said already there's no way that can happen, surely not. But, you know, if this, this doesn't get any better, if we can get out of the rut, and as Kevin says, the only way to do that is by managerial change at times, then, you know, we really are looking at that. And, you know, how many points is it going to be? How, how big is the gap going to be? It truly is remarkable. But in amongst all of that, we have a depleted defence. We need to strengthen that defence. And we have been involved in some chat, uh, some of the names Kevin's already mentioned. But before we get onto some of the so-called targets, Ben Davis, uh, we were led to believe, was a done deal. How disappointing is it at this stage in a season of disappointments, Kevin, when we can't even do a, a £2 million deal for a Preston player? Oh, it's so loading on my, my on my list of disappointments for this season. Um, look, everything's gone wrong this season. Absolutely everything that we touch seems to be going wrong. I'm going to give the club a bit of a due, a bit of a let off with us. When it came out that we looked like the deal was done uh, with a guy for Sky Sports, whatever his name is, the two closest folk to Celtic came on and went, no, that, that's not the case. Davis himself was says, says he was interested in moving to the English Premiership. So at that point, he's got today, he's got till today to sign the pre-contract. So he's probably the one that stepped back until today to find out what else is out there, what else is going to come out. Oh, next thing you call the European champions have come up and want to sign him. I'm going to take a wee positive for that, that at least we were looking at a player that the European champions were looking at as well. I'm, I'm going to take it for that. And we can't compete with English Premiership. We know that. So I, you can chuck mud at the club with that, but I think there's two narratives to that one. You've got to look at the player and you can maybe have a look. I mean, whatever the club offered him, he agreed, but he didn't sign it because he was yeah. waiting till today to sign it to actually see if anybody else came in. And that's, and that's the nature of football now. Could, I we like, I, could we have done it quicker, like, Kev? We probably could have. We maybe should have done it. We should, maybe should have. But then that's up to the player. You can only get the player to sign when the player's ready to sign. If the player's saying all this month, oh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind a move to the, the English Premiership, and we do the right thing, we approach him, give him a package that he's happy with, but he doesn't sign it. 
then there's not much we can do. There isn't much that we can do as a football club. But that's not to say that we can go back and your John McGinn's and Stephen Fletcher's, however far back you go. We've got we've got history of this, so obviously the way that we work's going to get the blame. I'll be honest, though, I wasn't particularly comfortable though with the idea. I know I appreciate the fact he must be a good player if Liverpool are looking at him. I'm not that comfortable with signing players on permanent deals when there's an outgoing CEO who's those days are meant to be done. There's a manager there that we're all kind of thinking isn't going to be there next season anyway and we're having a disastrous season and we've left it so late. I mean, there's a lot of things that I wasn't that comfortable with us doing signing, even if it was a pre-contract. Who signed him then? An outgoing CEO or an outgoing manager? What if he signs and, and, and say it wasn't uh, a guy who is getting the, catching the attention of Liverpool, it was just a standard Preston North End centre-back, no disrespect to Preston North End, but he came in and was an average Joe and the new manager's already one wage down from his budget for a player that he, he doesn't see any future having at the club that he doesn't rate or fancy. I thought I didn't sit well with me that that, that, that link at all, to be honest with you, and I really feel... We've all had, as Kev says, our uh, issues with the previous deals that have either fell through or have been done over the manager's head, like Marion Schwed. I'm hoping that the new changes that are going to happen at Celtic are taking us away from that. And there's a real structure there, whether it's the director of football and the manager working in tandem over targets. And not all of them already be landed on them when they take their, 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 their first day at the job. Kevin, you were speaking again, we'll come back to transfers in a minute. You were speaking about the meeting that you had where the general consensus was the two L's had to go, Lowell and Lennon. Obviously, we are aware of the plans in relation to Peter Lowell. Do you think that the announcement, because obviously, I mean, Scott Brown admitted in his in his interview when he was talking and waxing lyrical about Peter Lowell's impact, not only on him, um, but the club as well. He says that they had known, obviously they'd known for some time, JP would have known when they spoke to you guys, I'm guessing, but it wasn't for public consumption until the Friday. Um, do you think that they felt that might have taken a bit of the heat off the, the situation with regards to us demanding the uh, outcome of the review? Uh, but then a, a game like Saturday happens. I mean, is it basically just they're hoping for a wee bit more time, they're trying to buy time, um, they're tr- kind of hoping that Neil Lennon can grind out enough results to the end of the season and then make their change then? Or you know, is it too risky with regards to the season ticket renewals that are going to be coming up in a matter of weeks? I mean, surely the communication has to happen. I mean, I said after the game, Neil Lennon has to be gone tonight, and that was Saturday night. We're sitting here on Monday. Nothing. Mm-hmm. There has to be a change. I mean, I, I'm sure the club will probably fire the wider restructuring, restructuring out. That will probably be the, that will probably be the review. We're going to see where we are at the end of the season. We'll have a look where it, where it's went wrong, and we'll go for a wider review. Um, when you actually when, when when you actually have a look at it, we announced a, a new CEO. And nobody had a clue. No, nobody, nobody had a clue whatsoever that the interviews were going on. So, so you know what a club like Celtic's like. It's a, it's like a, a steamy, ain't it? There's leaks here, there, and everywhere, and there's old sweetie wifey's gossiping. So, Don Mackay would ha- would have to have had an interview. That's PLC rules. So, with these interviews going on, do you not think that would have got out? So, how did they, how did that not get out? 
which makes me think there's stuff going on in the background. Well, maybe I'm just praying that there's stuff going on in the background. (laughs) (laughs) As Bob Marley says, everything's going to be all right. And like... uh, at season season book renewal time, they go, Eileni's leaving and this is your new man. Uh, we've been working on this for weeks, months, whatever. That's but what that, I'm that's it, what it, I'm I've got hope that's I've only got hope that's going to happen. Just because that Dom Mackay appeared like that. Like Rent a Ghost, poof, he appeared. And you go, Rent a Ghost, oh, a nice wee nineteen eighties throwback there, Kev. How, 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 how did how did that happen? Who is this guy? Um and I mean, you, you've got you've got the other thing. You've got a new CEO coming in. Mm-hmm. He would have to have a say. I would reckon in who he's going to work with. For me, I reckon the next. I've got no inside information on this whatsoever. I reckon the next announcement will be a director of football. Right. I think there'll be a director of football in before the end of the season. Mm. So keep the management team in place, but start the the structure from top to bottom rather than the other way about, Kev. Uh-huh. So you've got the CEO. We're now going to look at the director of football. Um, this brings up a point that uh, Russell spoke about earlier on, coming in from Facebook. Thanks for getting involved. Would Dominic McKay be working behind the scenes? I think that would be difficult. And you know, going back to what Kevin says, to give the, the, them some slack, it is a very difficult situation because whoever the new CEO is coming in would want to have uh, to play a part in the recruitment process of the new gaffer. Of course they would. But he is employed by the SRU, as Russell said quite clearly. So it's a very difficult one. But in the back of their minds, the caveat to that is we've got season ticket renewals for yep. for guys and, and girls who have already bought something, bought this product as Kevin said that hasn't been delivered uh, they've been given a virtual version of it so we're going to ask them in the back of the worst season in living memory uh, to renew uh, at full price possibly over a period, uh, you know I'm just adding up what you've said there Kevin, it could be over a five year period because obviously you can get your refund over a five year period, is it all going to happen in one season who knows um, and at that point that's when you say that uh, the results on the park change your plans you've got to be able to change your plans you have something in place but when it's Celtic and this is happening you can't be fixed in your plans so back to the drawing board we can't we can't continue match after match we're playing a team no. who you know pulled the trigger on on a guy who previously had done so so well with Kilmarnock so why why can't Celtic make these these bold decisions yeah I totally agree with that I think um Alex Dyer someone who's looked at so fondly at Kilmarnock as well, and yet there they were, ruthless, um, and the decision needs to be made, it gets made. And I think you're absolutely right. In terms of the uh, the decision there, this all points towards how wrong they got at not making a change earlier in the season when we could all see it was going to go this way. Because now there's so many decisions that all need to be made that can't be made in the right order because of what's happening on the pitch is dictating that that might end up, that there needs to be a change there. Because, as you rightfully say, the form that they're in right now, I mean, I couldn't believe it when I seen that league table since October. There's a substantial amount of games being played as well, and we're fourth. Um, if that was to carry on at the end of the season, you, you don't then have the, the opportunity for Champions League money. Not that we, not that we get it very often, but you would, you need to have, you need to be in the mix to try and get that. Um, on top of that, the season renewal. If it stays like this and we keep picking up the odd three points here and there, how many renewals are they going to get on time when they're wanting them? It seems like it's going to be a lesser number, but 
you made a brilliant point, Kev, about the the the, the sporting uh, the director of football being next because that would make sense for it to be the CEO, then the director of football, and then the new management team, and that is normally how it would work. But because of the previous or the the current, um, you know, people that are in in, in position just now and their inability to make the hard decisions earlier in the season, it is going to be very hard to do those two things in that order because the results in the pitch are dictating that something might need to change sooner than that for the for the you know to actually save us from from a complete you know no man's land. What I'll also say as well, it actually covers the further review thing and the director of football appoints the new coach. Yes. It's, the direct, it's not the CEO, it's the director yep. of football. The CEO only has to work with the director of football. Yeah. So so the most important person in your club is the director of football. And somebody yep. just came on the comments, my perfect one is Ralph Raniak for that. Jim Orr made a good point last week. Listen, Ralph Raniak wasn't on my radar, right? Because sometimes you get so focused on, on the parochial, don't you? You get so focused on what you're dealing with and you, you, you're looking at Celtic all the time. And it was through these discussions on the bulletin that people started suggesting Ralph Raniak. And then there's some tremendous um, videos out there. Uh, and I think the coaches' voices um, have, have spoken to him quite a few times. You get an idea of the philosophy that the man has, talking about a culture talking about getting into a club and restructuring it and then you start thinking to yourself wow this guy is the real deal he is exactly what we need then Jim Orr said last week why not just get him him in on an interim basis to give us a plan on an advisory level all these different um, methods that could be used if you could get someone in like that um, on a permanent basis Kevin I mean that, that would be a bold bold move and I'm not saying that the coach stroke manager then becomes um, something that isn't as important but if you had Ranić there you would expect for his period of time in charge this is the way it should work the director of football doesn't change but the manager might change the manager might change every couple of years yes but the, the way that the club was built doesn't change the football side doesn't change basically Russell was talking about signing guys and we don't know who's going to be there next season that happens in all elite football clubs the, the coach comes in and works with the players that he's got so the fact is we're signing a highly rated we were supposed to be signing a highly rated 25 year old from Preston who's now ended up going to Liverpool there's not going to be, even if Eddie Howe comes in, Rafa Benitez, Jack Ross, John Hughes came in, they're not going to knock back that guy. They're not going to go, I don't fancy him. Because it's a quality player who, if the, if the coach knew football, would probably go, ah, he's, he's decent. He, he, he's okay, I can work with him. So this bringing in guys, it's, what, I, what I'm annoyed about is bringing in short-term guys. Like the guys on loan and, and that, that are not going to be there next season, which is just going to leave, make the rebuilding. We're just sh- shelling out money for guys where we can just go, look, we've got 16 games left. The season's a bust. Let's play Anthony Ralston at right back. Let's see if we can get money for Anthony Ralston in the summer. It's 16 games. Let's play uh, Stephen Welsh at centre-half. Let's I think I think we should be doing that anyway, Kevin, to be honest. Uh, well, Shane Duffy always has a look at a man who's running the London Marathon in a Tyrannosaurus Rex suit, doesn't he? he just, he, he just, I can't believe. I mean, watching it, on, watching, watching it on Saturday and you've got Stephen McManus and Gary Caldwell in the studio and mm-hmm. they must have been looking at each other as if to go, we were hated for far less. 
Oh, you, yes. got more, you got more abuse for far less than what's happening out there just now. Uh, you and so, I have spoken about that before, Kevin. We speak about defensive, central defensive partnerships, don't we? And I, I remember the discussion we had talking about Caldwell and uh, McManus because they weren't firm favourites with the fans. But what happened when Tony Mowbray took over is you had a captain of the club and a Scottish player of the year and Mowbray didn't fancy either of the two of them. And you know what happened there. So they must be looking at the situation. We don't even have a partnership that you would um, hang your hat on at the moment. I would do anything to get Ayer back in uh, the centre of defence. So if that meant playing your, your backup right back, then absolutely I would. What's happened to El Hamid? One minute he's going back to Israel, then his agent comes out and says that's, that's fake news. But he's not even in the, the, the first 20. I, I know. Uh, it's... Ridiculous. There's so many mixed messages coming out of the club. Uh, it's like, but I'm feeling like I've been like a fly. It's landed on a nice bun. And I've ate the icing and knew I'm stuck. And I didn't care where I'm gone. I don't know if the, the owner of the ice bun is going to come in and hit me over the head or he's just going to throw me into the bun. I didn't care where I'm on, but I feel like I'm stuck to an ice bun. <laughs> I prefer the Tyrannosaurus Rex running the London Marathon analogy, Kev. But when you said that, it did bring me to uh, mind, it, it brought to mind that run, that galloping run that uh, Duffy went on. And I don't think anybody on the pitch thought to themselves, this is going to end up with a chance being created. Did you, you know the one I'm talking about in the first half? And he just starts running with the ball. And I think I sent a WhatsApp saying, we all know where this is going. Even Shane Duffy didn't have the confidence that he was going <laughs> to... Did he not try and hit the ball? around somebody at the end and it just kind of fizzled out um, one of the words used uh, by Neil Lennon was baffling and I think you could use that word to describe quite a lot about Celtic but before we go and we've been talking about transfers some of the names we've seen Kevin you've already mentioned John Joe Kenny of Everton another player and I hope I get this right is Jafet Tanganga at Spurs but I've been seeing uh, he's linked with four or five other clubs mainly in the Premier uh, the Premiership down south so I don't think that'll happen as soon as uh, um, other clubs are interested. I think West Brom are looking at him. The other interesting one that uh, we should speak about, Olivier Encham, another player who's dropped out of the top 20 in the first team. Interestingly enough, all the talk was about him going to Newcastle on a loan. Uh, Marseille have re-entered the, the race for Encham and they're talking about €10 million. Euros. Surely that's paper talk. Look, uh, look so, sorry, sorry, Russell, for jumping no, out right. <sighs> Anthony Haggerty says on Friday that there's two Peter Walls, and I have to, I have to like agree with that. Peter Wall for me is a bit like Morrissey. You've got the Morrissey when you hear the last of the gang to die and how soon is now. Absolutely fantastic. And if you get manages to get money and ten million pound for Encham before he walks out the door, then that's in the that's in the Morrissey thing. But you can still hate Morrissey because he's got a bad taste in trousers and he's a right wing off. <laughs> so so you can give Peter Wall credit and still hate him at the same time. And if that is true for, for, for Encham, then that's unreal. He has got us some decent bits, but he has got us some decent pieces of business over his time at the club. 
Connor Kelly's just coming in to say that Neil Lennon on STV, not STD, uh, on Jojo Kenny, we just need the paperwork to be finished. He has been in the building. He travelled up last night, so hopefully we can get that signed and sealed this afternoon. So it looks as though another loan signing's coming in, and it's going to be the Everton player, John Joe Kenny. So we are trying to bring players in to strengthen us to the end of the season. The question would be who's responsible for saying, yeah, he's coming in. Is it Peter Lowell, the outgoing CEO? Is it uh, Neil Lennon, who we thought was the outgoing manager, but he's still in there talking about new players coming in. It's a strange old time to be a Celtic fan, Russell. Um, but once again, the Monday Club on the Axon Bulletin was um, very enjoyable. Thank you, Kevin, for giving us the update on the affiliation meeting with the club last week. Uh, astonishing figures being uh, bandied about in relation to Dubai before you, you told us it was almost double that so thanks again everybody for getting involved on Twitter Facebook and on YouTube if you haven't done so already make sure to subscribe on the YouTube channel and you will be notified when the Mark Hughes interview drops hopefully within the next 24 hours all that's left for me to say Russell Boyce and Kevin Graham thank you again for joining me on a Celtic Skater and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad, because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto. Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.